Hey everybody, this is the man on fire, John Sablon of johnsablon.com. And I want to welcome you to another segment of True Faith Real Talk, where we talk about real issues through the eyes of faith. Now you're in for a special treat for this segment because it's called The Dose of the Ghost. And it's going to be a segment where we kind of talk about different topics, different subjects, different things that we've been dealing with. Um, and it's really because I've got a special guest for everybody out there today who uh, is a, uh, another man on fire out there. He's a, an international speaker. He's an author uh, who I believe his latest book is Ignite with Sonia Corbett. Also the author of Behold the Man. Uh, this is something that every man should have in his arsenal uh, to become a, a better holy man of God. Um, he's a, a radio host. You name it, he's done it. He's a... Uh, He's a spiritual mentor of mine. He's somebody that I look up to in the faith. And I like to uh, welcome to the show my brother with the same holy mother, Deacon Harold Berksavers. What's up, Deacon? Hey, how you doing, John? It's great to see you. Good to see it's you. great Good. to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to uh, once again uh, connect with you on, uh, on this level. So I appreciate you joining us today. And uh, for our viewers who don't know about Deacon Harold, you know, those, those like five people out there that don't know about you. Um, <laughs> why don't you give him a little breakdown? Where where you uh where are you skyping in from right now? Uh, from Portland, Oregon, from my uh, home office. And uh, uh, can they see this? Yeah, they can. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you can take a look here, this is my home office, and you see this my that's just part of my library that's behind me. That I have over three thousand books. I'm actually surrounded by books <laughs> in my office here. Um, so you can see that's my, uh, back there is a choir robe that I pray in every day. Um, when I pray the office here, I'm in, in my office. <laughs> and then there's this, another book, there's more bookshelves over here. And, and, uh, and that's not even, that's just part of the room there. So yeah, I'm kind of a bookaholic, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I do collect books and, uh, I, a lot of, again, uh, mostly uh, theology and philosophy. Uh, but I've been living in Portland here probably the last 21 years, 22 years. Uh, my wife is from here. I'm originally really from New Jersey. And uh, when my wife was asking where you want to live, our conversation went, we're going to live Portland or Newark. So <laughs> nothing against Newark, my Jersey in the house, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still East, East Coast at heart, you know, but uh but when she asked us, I guess we're going to Portland. So, hey, <laughs> so I, yeah, been, I, here, it's a, it's been a, here a while now. Yeah, happy wife makes for a happy life, right, Deacon? That's right. That's yeah. right. So uh, some people may know, I mean, you are a, a traveling preacher, an itinerant preacher. So you, uh, this is one of those rare occasions we get to catch you at home um, when you're not out there preaching the gospel. Um, and this is this segment's called A Dose of the Ghost, where we're just going to kind of hit a couple of uh, different topics that uh, we can kind of dialogue, help the viewers kind of get our insight on. And um, the first one uh, has to do with preaching, and it's about evangelizing and evangelization, specifically, though, Deacon, with regards to your family, right? So um, some people hear about, hey, it's preaching the gospel and, and, um, and going out there and trying to help people encounter Christ. But, you know, there's in, in, in your travels, I know, and uh, even in my own encounters, matter of fact, I just had this conversation with uh, one of the guys at my men's ministry. So I have a men's, men's group that I run. Uh, we meet every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And uh, this is one of the topics that come up. And the question that he asked this morning was, man, what do you suggest I do 
when I'm trying to evangelize my family, you know, uh, whether it be my brother, my sister, my fallen away parents, um, God children, right, who are no longer practicing the faith. Um, so what can we offer up to our viewers out there with regards to, you know, some techniques, some approaches to evangelizing family members who may not be necessarily open to being evangelized? <laughs> yeah, well, um, the, the first thing is uh, we have to uh, show them by our lived experience, you know, by our witness and example. In fact, um, Steve Ray has uh, these six things that you can do for family members. Mm -hmm. And I found those to be uh, very, very helpful. So number one is with him is don't argue with them. You know, <laughs> so I mean, because you know what happens, you, you, you get together at Christmas or at Thanksgiving and everybody's happy because they haven't seen each other in a while. And all of a sudden you start talking about religion and politics and all of a sudden woo, the conversation goes straight downhill. Uh -huh. And uh, you're like, oh, man, the, the train has jumped the rails now. What's going on? And then you start arguing back and forth and people get mad. And see, this is why I don't want to come here. You always want to bring up this religious stuff and Catholic stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm good with God. You know, I'm making my own way. And, you know, God still loves me. I'm still a good person. That whole thing, you uh -huh. know, and he, and you get mad because, you know, that, that's not the way they were raised. But, you know, that's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so don't argue with them. You know, um, I think just when somebody brings something up like that, um, you know, you you uh, you don't don't get mad. Say, oh, well, that, that's an interesting perspective. You know, um, you know, I hope that uh, uh, and, and sort of if you want to do a dialogue, mm -hmm. that's a that's a great way to engage in dialogue right there. Yeah. Um, uh, respectful dialogue, right? <laughs> but getting angry doesn't doesn't help. Um, uh, so you just you know you you continue to love that person, you know. Uh, in fact, that's number two: love them more than ever before. Because often when you're in a situation with someone who's away from the faith, um, you know they think you don't love them or you love them less than you did before. Because hey, I'm not Catholic. I'm not going to church anymore. You you're not going to respect me. You're not going to love me anymore. And, and and you may feel that way, but but for them, we still have to show them the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the important thing. So you listen to them. You try to understand where they're coming from, even though you say, oh, you, your mind says, they're wrong, they're wrong. But um, uh, but I think the, the key thing is, is listening and um, engaging in a respectful uh, dialogue and getting them to think. Because mm -hmm. often people want to think with their emotions and think with their feelings instead of thinking with their brains. Mm -hmm. So what I always try to do is give them something to think about, you know, to give them something to think about. I said, well, I'm just a good person. Yeah. And you say, you know what? Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, but one thing I don't understand, because I'm looking at the teachings of Jesus in the Bible, and I can't find one place where Jesus says, just be a good person, you'll get to heaven. So I maybe, have you found that anywhere? Because I can't seem to find it. You know, so, you know, that, that kind of thing mm -hmm. where, you, where you're not being passive aggressive, you're just, you're just asking questions. Yep. You know, uh, I find that very, uh, helpful with atheists, by the way, uh, you know, <laughs> asking questions they can't answer, mm -hmm. but uh, what, and the question is not designed to embarrass them. The question is designed to get them to think mm -hmm. deeply and seriously about, about the position that they're, they're holding in their life. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, the next thing I would say would be prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. everybody's praying for the person who's away from the church, your kid, your sister, your brother, whoever it is, everybody's praying. That's not the problem. The, the, the thing that we often don't think about to go with the prayer is fasting. Because remember, Jesus sent the 72 out, they come back, and uh, uh, they say, hey, yeah, we did all these great things, but there were some demons 
that we couldn't cast out. We don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, well, there's only some demons that can be cast out by prayer and fasting. fasting. And we forget that's an extremely powerful combination of prayer and fasting, those two things going together. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you mean fasting, of course, fasting from food, you know, maybe giving up a, a meal or two during the day or just eating bread and water for a whole day. Um, but outside of Lent, you can you can um, uh, you can change it up a little bit. So, for example, it could be fasting from something that you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're um, if I'm not a big TV watcher at all, but say you like to watch TV and you have your favorite show, uh, but you want to you want to um, offer that, you know, um, as, as a fast for for the conversion of your family member and loved one. So that's OK. I'm going to give up dancing for the stars for like four months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or three months, and you're like, oh, that's my show, you know. But but that is a sacrifice uh, and an offering that you're making, a fast for that person and for their soul, and for their hopefully that that the Holy Spirit will touch their hearts for a conversion. Mm -hmm. And that's a it might be painful to give up chocolate or give up, you know, desserts or whatever it is for a period of time as a fast to go along with your prayer. So I think that those two are very powerful combinations. And I think uh, number four would be show the joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, show people that you're joyful to be Catholic. Because people think, oh, my goodness, you're Catholic. You have to do this and you have to do that. And it's like, you know, like, da -na 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 -na. Here I go to church again. Okay, kids, get out of the car. Let's do this church thing. And I mean, who wants to be around anybody like that? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, if you want to be so someone who's living their faith with passion and conviction and is joyful and on fire and I love the Lord, you know, not necessarily um, – you know, uh, you know, uh, going crazy with it, but just a joyful spirit, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a very positive spirit when it comes to faith and talking about the faith. You get excited about talking about faith, get passionate. People see that. So what does this guy have mm -hmm. that I don't have? Mm -hmm. You know, it just, I think joy of the Lord is infectious. I think that's a very powerful reality that we often forget about. Mm -hmm. um, I think the number five would be uh, study Catholic apologetics. Know something about about the faith because often they they left and they're asking questions what about this eucharist thing how could god be a piece of bread and you're like well you, yeah see i know i learned it in school and i know that's jesus but you know but i don't know how to explain it you know so and there's no excuse now there's incredible resources even on the web like catholic answers or ewtn mm -hmm. or someplace you can go and get good solid uh catholic uh, apologetics and catechetical materials that you can learn your faith. You can download things. You can print things off and read them. Um, what and that, a great way to do that is what I call utilizing your gap time. Mm -hmm. So for people often say they don't want to learn their faith because they don't have time. And so you have time to watch the game. You have time to go out with your friends. You have, but you don't have time to learn your faith. So make the time. Here's how: If you're driving to work, for example, what are you listening to in the car? Mm -hmm. Are you listening to music? Are you listening to talk radio? Are you listening to sports? What a great opportunity to throw in a CD or put on an MP3 thing and, and start listening to someone teaching about the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, downloading your favorite podcast or downloading your favorite the YouTube video. Not watching it while you drive, of course, but, <laughs> but listening to it while you drive, you know. And, and just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just learning about the faith. If you travel like I do in airports, that's what I do. I put my headphones on. I'm listening to podcasts of... Uh, Catholic Answers or Shows Me WTN or or um, uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know 
you know, blog or something like that. Because I'm always continuing to learn and grow in my faith as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's important. Just know that some, some basic things about your faith, so you can address questions from your loved ones who are away from the church. And then finally, you want to pray that God brings someone else into their life besides you. Mm-hmm. You know, because often they don't want to listen to us because we're too close to them. And, oh, I know you. You know, uh, I remember once my brother uh, was getting married and... Um, and uh, he and I was discouraging him because I, I thought there were some issues in his life um, that needed to be dealt with first. And so I went to him one on one, man to man, brother to brother. And I and I expressed my in a very loving way, expressed my concern. And he got angry, you know, and um, uh, because you know, just because you're on television, you think you could tell me what to do. I'm not one of your fans. And I'm like. Dang, man, I didn't, I didn't come at you like that. I came to you as a brother. No one knows we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. This is a private con- You know, I, I'm just, just trying to share my heart with you, man, you know? <laughs> and it didn't work. He got mad and everything. We, I mean, we eventually reconciled. But when something like that happens and, and you're often too close, you know, s- someone else that's maybe speaking the same message as you, but maybe coming at it from a different angle, a different perspective, Someone that maybe has a different personality type that the person is more open to and more receptive to, mm-hmm. um, and you know, pray that that happens. That that uh, that uh, God will bring someone else into their life that will preach a message in a way that is appealing to them and attractive to them, and will open up to receive more of the grace that God wants to give them. And then the final thing I would say, if you have a loved one, especially who's addicted. You know, drugs, alcohol. Uh, I hear really tragic stories about families that are broken apart by uh, by drug and alcohol use. Um, the one thing I would add to all this, as far as helping to come back to the church, is pray for them to have a prodigal son experience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Oh, they've done rehab three times. They've done this. They've done the <laughs> therapy. They've done all this, but it still doesn't work. What needs to happen is like the prodigal son. They need to get to a point so low in their life, that they finally recognize in in, in a very stark and real way that the only person that can get them out of this mess is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Until that happens, they will always backslide. They will always fall back. They will always make excuses for why the program didn't work this time. Or, you know, I was doing good until I met this person and this happened. They have to have that prodigal son experience where the guy was in the pig pen longing to eat what the pigs ate. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Jewish person hearing that would have meant, God, you can't get any lower than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and but then he, he recognizes that all this time God has been here. All this time. So what if I finally made the decision to turn back to the Lord, like the prodigal son? And when you and when they begin to do that, then they'll be more open to receiving what you want to say, because now they're opening their heart to Jesus. They're opening heart to the message. They're opening their heart to truth. And Jesus says the truth will set them free, will set them free from all those things that are enslaving them, especially these addictions and, and turning their hearts away from God. So those would be a, a six or if you want to add that last one, seven things that I would say about helping family members. Yeah, I think uh, and those are great. That's a great list. I refer to that list often. Matter of fact, I use several of those uh, bits of advice um, just this morning. Right. And I think. The other part of it too, Deacon, is for uh, for all of us to remember, especially within our own families. You know, they they don't see the traveling preacher, 
right? They see the one that they argue with at home. They see all the stuff behind closed doors where they see the, the sinner in us, right? And so sometimes when you think about Jesus, when he first, he wasn't a prophet in his own native village, right? They didn't accept him either. Um, so that familiarity breeds contempt in certain cases, especially within your family uh, uh, environment, because they're like, who's this guy? We think you're holier than the Nile. So I think uh, we need to take some of that pressure off. Remember that conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit, that we're there to plant, we're there to water as much as we can, um, but cultivation really happens uh, through God, through the Holy Spirit, through an encounter with Jesus Christ, like you said. And I think, you know, for those that are watching that, <clears throat> you know, remember God loves your brother, your sister, your niece, your goddaughter, whatever it is, more than, we, than you ever could. And I think uh, the more we can step in that gap with prayer, fasting, and all those uh, other, uh, you know, pieces of advice that you gave, um, the more that we can uh, allow for that fertile ground to have a prodigal son or daughter experience, to have a moment of conversion. So, um, so that was the first topic, evangelization, but specifically evangelizing your family members. <clears throat> so let's, I want to go to the next point in particular because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the book, Behold the yeah. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we quote quite often, you and I, I was so blessed to work with you on the Real Men Designed for Greatness series. And, you know, our first episode was on, you know, a Catholic man in a dangerous species. And just coming off the, uh, the Woman's March movement, mm -hmm. right, in January um, to try to counter, you know, the, uh, the Walk for Lives and the March for Life that were happening. Um, you know, it, it brought to my mind, you know, let's talk about there, there's definitely a feminine genius, but there's also this, you know, this uh, masculine genius and this Catholic masculinity. And just, you know, you and I always get together and this is something we can talk hours upon hours upon. And I think we've dedicated a lot of our both our personal lives and ministry to helping men come to the realization of who they are as God created them to be. So, you know, maybe some, some thoughts, Deacon, on the, this concept of Catholic masculinity. What does that actually even mean? Um, how is that any different than any other masculinity? Why has it got to be Catholic, right? What do we mean yeah. when we talk about Catholic mas masculinity and, and, um, and how we live that out fruitfully as Catholic men? <clears throat> Yeah, I think the way to think about that is to go back to the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. um, the, the book of Genesis in, in uh, Genesis chapter one says uh, he, he, God made us in his image and likeness, right? In his image and likeness, uh, male and female, he created them. So so the, the God of the universe, the one God created and it, it says man and the word in Hebrew is Adam. And Adam does not mean male. Adam means as a sense of the fullness of humanity. And out of that fullness, it says male and female. So out of the fullness, which is man, male and female, he created them. So both come from God, right? So mm -hmm. both come from God equally, male and female, ish and isha in, uh, in the Hebrew. So so what does that mean? Then? But, but yet, when you think of, well, how does God, how does God, uh, reveal himself to us, right? And Jesus gives us the fullness of that revelation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so now you're a woman, you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I'm a woman, where do I fit into this whole Trinity thing, right? Which is why I said you have to start back at Genesis, because you can see from the one God, male and female, equal in dignity before God. One's not better or greater than the other. Mm -hmm. You know, in Genesis 2, it, sh it shows it so beautifully with the rib coming from the side. Um, in fact, in, in Hebrew, it's not even rib. The word is selah. 
Because, see, they, they use that, uh, we say rib because in English, if, if you were to read it literally in Hebrew and it says he took his side and created her, we would think, would he cut him in half? Yeah. Or did he take like half his body? That doesn't make sense. But if you say rib, that in your mind in English, okay, that's the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that he, he took it from the middle. That that makes sense. But in Hebrew, literally the word uh, selah means he took he took his side and created her. So so what does that mean? So how does a woman find herself in the Trinity? Well, the the way I, I actually talk about it in the book, and I'm actually I'm going to be writing another book for Ignatius Press, where I'm going to the first chapter, the first section of the book is going to be about complementarity between man and woman. I'm really going to dig that open, physical, mental, spiritual, and dive deep into this idea of complementarity between between man and woman as we image God. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so if we think about how God, um, who God is, and how God is, sometimes we can't. Uh, obviously, we can't wrap our minds around the, the fullness of God because we be God, right? The only per- person who could do that is God. But mm-hmm. when we talk about God for the Catechism, for example, it talks about there's an inner life of God and an outer life of God. Okay, so when they talk, so when the Catechism talks about the inner life of God, it uses big theological terms. So don't be afraid, everybody, you know. But words like circumcision, or in the Eastern Church, divine perichoresis, all that means is this. It's the life of God within himself. So in other words, how is the Father in the Son and the Holy Spirit? How is the Son in the Father and the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus himself says, right, the Father and I are one. Mm -hmm. They're not the same, but they're one. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. And then how is the Holy Spirit in both the Father and the Son? Because Jesus says, I have to go back to the Father because we have to send the Holy Spirit. See, so the Holy Spirit is generated from the Father. So, So what is that? relationship of God within himself, like the inner penetration of the person of the Trinity within each other, and, and in a sense, that's that's God's inner life or God's heart, mm. right? The heart. Now, remember, for the Israelites, the heart just wasn't an organ that pumped blood through your body. The heart was the seat of the will. The heart was the place where your desire for God lives inside of you, right? So I, so my Again, this is just by analogy, because we're going to go this by analogy. I would say that when God, in Genesis, created male and female, when he created the female, he pulled from his heart. He pulled from that deep, inner, rich life of God to create the woman. Because think about this. We even call the woman the heart of love, or the heart of the home, the heart of the family. Mm-hmm. Those are terms that we use for men all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think God pulled, in a sense, from his heart in order to create the woman. Now, God also has an an exterior life, right? An, an outer life of God. And the way the catechism describes that is the economic trinity. And again, there's another weird word, but it's oikonomia in Greek. Not economy like supply and demand, that kind of thing, right? The price of oil. <laughs> right. when, when it used the word economy, it's a, from the Greek word oikonomia, uh, which means the workings of. So it's the economy of salvation, for example, the workings of salvation. Mm-hmm. So God revealed himself, uh, first of all, through uh, you know uh, great men of the Bible and prophets. But the fullness of that revelation is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. So this God manifests himself in an exterior way. He was uh, physical. We could touch him. We could relate with him. Um, We can engage with him. He could touch us with his own hands. He loved us with his own heart. Uh, And there was a physicalness to that. And this exterior life, which which manifested and taught God's inner life, 
was able was it came became flesh in a sense in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who then taught us everything that God the Father wanted us to know, so we can be an intimate, personal, loving, and life giving communion. So see how those things work so beautifully mm-hmm. together. That's like man and woman. In fact, the words image and likeness, um, selem and demuth in Hebrew, the words are masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. So even the words themselves for image and likeness, right? And it's male and female. He created them. Even the words themselves express the reality of this beautiful complementarity between man and woman, between male and female. Mm-hmm. And the problem is our culture today, because we think with our feelings and emotions and we don't think from this deep spiritual sense, we don't think logically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're confusing all of that now. So now you could be, if, you, if you're a guy, a man, and, and God built you, and you're physically a man, but you feel like a woman, now the culture says, oh, well, then you could just be a woman then. Or you could be neutral. Or you could be whatever. You could be a 50-year-old, you know, um, you know, Vietnamese rice farmer, even if you're 10 years old or whatever. I mean, it just depends on how you feel. That is completely and utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, but but that's where we've gotten into this so political correctness and, 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 and so worried about people's feelings and emotions that we've lost, complete lost the sense of who we are in God. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what religious affiliation you are, because remember, that it, uh, we talk about the natural moral law, which Paul talks about in Romans 1 and 2 where God has implanted in every single human being the ability to know him um, uh, 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 by reason alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that reason that leads into a deeper faith. But we've totally disconnected ourselves and our lives from that reality. And so now, instead of being made in the image and likeness of God, we're making God in our own image and likeness. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, again, I always uh, appreciate and enjoy when you're able to unpack that, especially biblically. So let's take the shift that focus a little bit into the Catholic man, though, right? So Catholic masculinity. So we oh, understand. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we we say yeah. okay that that that, and again, it's it's great to start there because again, whenever we bring this up, whether that's you know, feminism, or, you know, we talk about masculinity, people start to automatically see that as uh, an unequal set of playing field, right? So we want to make sure that we at least say, no, 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 understand where it comes from, how we were designed, how we were created. Then let's focus that into now Catholic masculinity. Right. So, so we have this complementarity and, uh, uh, and this equality, which is, which is clear. But now if we're talking about this exterior life of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the so I focused on that. So in the in the book, what's called the hermeneutic or the interpretive key, mm-hmm. that the, the kind of thread that ties the whole book together is actually Saint Paul and Paul's theology of the cross. He you know Paul says, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. I want to know nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. And so for us as men, uh, our job is to live our spirituality as men from the cross of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, So we have to live a, Christ, a, a life that's crucified mm-hmm. with Christ. And so in, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul talks about, you know, uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How he chose love for the church. He gave his life and he died for her. Mm-hmm. He, he, he sacrificed himself totally and fully for her. So the, the man then um, is a, all men are spiritual fathers in that sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So not just physically giving birth, you know, uh, uh, helping to give uh, the process of procreation, and giving birth to a child. 
but spiritual fathers. So if you're a priest, of course, you're a spiritual father. That's why we call our priests fathers. But if you're a single man, you are a witness and example of Christ crucified to the world in the way you live your spirituality as a man. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, Christ gives us the model. I have not come to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And so headship and leadership and authority, whether in the family, whether in the church or whether you're a single man living in the culture, headship, leadership and authority is rooted in service. Is rooted in that gift of breaking your, like on the cross, Jesus broke himself open and poured himself out in love. And we as men are called to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out in love in sacrifice and service for our wives, our children, our church, and for the culture. You know, um, back in the Garden of Eden, um, God gave man his mission in Genesis chapter 2. He said, you're putting the garden to till and to keep it. Mm -hmm. Right. To till and to keep. So Abad and Shamar. So Abad is a, a, a Hebrew word that means work that's in the form of service. And to keep is Shamar, which means to protect and defend. So that's our mission as men. That's how we live this exterior life of God. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so in the garden, serve, protect, defend. That's our mission. That's our calling. That's who God created us to be as men. And Paul uh, uh, reemphasizes this again in, in Ephesians chapter five, you know, and a beautiful example, like in the middle between Genesis and uh, Paul is St. Joseph, mm -hmm. you know, now here's St. Joseph. The man has no lines in the Bible. Come <laughs> on, man. The father of Jesus, foster father of Jesus has not one word that he ever speaks. Why? His example and his witness speaks louder than his words. Mm -hmm. He did Everything faithfully, literally served, protected, and defended that holy family. Literally, especially with the slaughter of the innocents, he had to move his family to Egypt until Herod died. Then he had to bring them back. I mean, he he took charge of, of making sure that that family was safe, that they were cared for. In our families today, as men, we have to make sure we are the priests in our homes. Mm -hmm. That means that we are the chief, the main job of priests to offer sacrifice. So our job is to give our life and die to ourselves and live every day for our wives and children, for our, our parishes if we're priests, or for as a witness in the culture if you're a single man. Yeah. So I think those are the foundational elements of an authentic Catholic male spirituality. Yeah, and just one other thing to add on that, because I think the point you made about all of us will will be a father to somebody, and I think that's don't ever underestimate for the men out there that are listening. Right, your role as just a good, uh, you know, faithful man that it will be a father to somebody. We know not necessarily biologically, but definitely spiritually. And I think the uh, if you underestimate that 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 factor in, in life. Um, the culture suffers, right? The church suffers, family life suffers because we we don't take that responsibility serious enough and we don't apply ourselves to really trying to be a model of Christ in, in this world. So I, I think that's that's a good, now that's a segue into, right? So we talked about the uh, the beauty of how we're made, male and female, uh, in, in God's image and likeness. We talked about what it means for us men because we can speak to that as far as being, you know, true Catholic uh men living out our authentic masculinity as God intended. Now let's take this to that other uh, element of the domestic church, right? So, um, because I think that's one of the key things that's been, you know, if we look at the crisis today, you know, for the first time um, <clears throat> in our American history, we live in a post-Christian era, right? And uh, we have people that, that are, have, are losing faith and are walking away from their faith. 
And a big part of that is because the family structure is also being destroyed and attacked and fractured and suffering because that's where people are learning and getting the faith handed down to them. And so when the, that, that foundation is all of a sudden severed or fractured or, or being attacked, well, yeah, faith is obviously going to suffer. So for those of, of the folks out there who don't understand that term, what is the domestic church deacon and what does that mean to us as a faithful, um, as a, a living witness to a world that is losing its faith? Yeah, the, the uh, term domestic church was coined by St. John Paul II in a document called Familiaris Consortio, which is his uh, beautiful apostolic uh, apostolic uh, exhortation on the family. Mm -hmm. And in there, he, t he talks about the family as a domestic church. That means the church of the home, mm -hmm. because it's, the, it's not the Catholic schools. It's not uh, CCD. It's not confirmation class. All those are wonderful things. But the first place that children learn to have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ, learn to fall in love with Jesus, is in the home mm -hmm. with the mother and the father and the children, mm -hmm. where the children, uh, following the example of their parents, hopefully, um, will, will uh, come to a deep love and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And again, the father is the priest in that house. So along with his wife, again, he doesn't make any decisions without her. He doesn't do anything on his own. He's not rogue in his own home, but he is the spiritual head of the family uh, because uh, his job is to uh, sacrifice his life for them, to make, to, to lead them to heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, so when a man is living his, his authentic fatherhood and manhood in the home, then the mom and the woman has no problem being the wife and the mother. You know, and that means she can still work and do all those wonderful things. She's free to be who she is. See, the problem is, in a lot of our cultures today, especially tragically in the in the black community, you know, set where 70 percent of uh, children are born out of wedlock, where there's not fathers in the home. You know, you, women have to take on the role of mothers, quote, and fathers. And I put that in quotes because they can't be fathers because mm -hmm. they're women. Fathers are men, mm -hmm. you know, but they, but they try to take that role of, you know, but a woman cannot teach a young man how to be a man. A man has to do that. That's right. So that's when the, you just talked about the spiritual fatherhood comes in. So what we need to do, I think, to build a strong society, um, to build a strong culture, to bring a culture back to that heart of God again, is by strengthening men. Mm -hmm. And we have this generational sin that is passed down often in families. You have a, a, a father who was yelling, who was abusive. He passed on that son. His father, his son thinks, well, the way I, the way I know how to be a father is what happened to me. So he follows the same pattern passed on to his son and his son and his son. What we need to do is we, have, we need to have a generation of men who are breaking that cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've done that in my own family. I mean, many uh, people have heard the story of my of my dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it was like growing up and then the, you know, the, the long period, we had this long estrangement. And then, of course, we had a, 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 a he had a conversion and reconciliation uh, before he died back in uh, 2016. It's an incredible story of, of journeying and faith. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I decided that I am going to break this this generation of sin. You know, I, I never knew any of my grandfathers because it was all like they had all these other women and had all these other children and no one was really committed to anybody. And and so I decided, you know what? No, not that's going to stop with me. Um, so I'm the first baptized Catholic in my family. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, the gift of the Catholic faith and living the Catholic faith connected with the authentic masculine spirituality that we just talked about, mm -hmm. you put those two things together and you're not really afraid. So it's not just, okay, I'm going to take my family to church on Sunday and that's it. 
if you don't pray with your wife, if you don't pray with your kids, if you don't, by your witness and example, taking the kids to confession when you're going, taking the kids to adoration when you're going, praying the rosary, teaching them their prayers, showing by your lived example, taking them to a homeless shelter um, and, and feeding the homeless once a week or maybe a couple times a month or during Thanksgiving, bringing food to homeless people in the neighborhood. Those kinds, they need, what young people need to, to see is the faith is not just something that they learn all this stuff about Jesus. It has to make the connection between the head and the heart so their faith becomes part of their everyday lived experience and not an intellectual exercise. Amen. And the home is where all of that takes place. Yeah. You know, I think that's uh, such a, a big point to make that, you know, faith is not something we do. It's something we live. Um, it's not just another subject matter. Right, that we get to choose how engaged we are. I mean, they need to see it lived, and 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 for us um, who are responsible for uh, being the spiritual leaders in our home. I mean, I know I come from a background that I wasn't doing my job, and it wasn't until I did my job and recognized the responsibility, had an encounter with our Lord, and fell in love with His bride, the Church, and our faith, and started to live it with everything I had, like fully surrendered. That my kids, my wife, were just like. What's going on here, right? Because like you said at the beginning of all this, when we were talking about evangelizing our families, that they saw the joy of the Lord. They saw that this is something that's much more than just head knowledge, that this was a true encounter. This was love at, a, at its very core that you can't help but share it with everybody you encounter. And I think that's what we need to be. Uh, we need to be families of love, right? In order to be, to be, to be able to break and, and overcome this culture of death that we're living in, We've got to be able to, uh, to, to take hold of our domestic church. So, <clears throat> Deacon, on our last topic of this Dose of the Ghost segment, since we got the dynamic Deacon here, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, St. Jerome says, right, is uh, f- famously quoted, for ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of, of Christ. And I know you came out uh, with uh, your good friend, Sonia Corbett, uh, with the latest book, Ignite, and trying to help people encounter God's Word in a much more deeper and more real and practical but intimate way. So I wanted to talk on this last one because, you know, we are blessed as Catholics, right? Especially in our highest form of prayer, which is the Mass, where we get to encounter the Word both in in Scripture but also at the table of, of the Eucharist. So can we talk about, uh, you know, your, your thoughts on how do we encounter the Word of God um, in, in a way that's more engaging, more dynamic? Yeah, so um, when uh, Sonia and I decided to do this book together, um, my thinking was, you know, I really want to see Catholics engage God's Word in a much more deeper and serious way. You know, it's often a joke you hear priests say, you know, like after Mass, they're greeting people and say, hey, what was the first reading about? And you're like, uh, because uh, uh, you you know because in your mind you're sitting there thinking, man, I hope the line's not long at IHOP after mass, or, <laughs> you know, whatever's going on. And so we, you know, we I, I, and, and Catholics are notorious for not like, for example, at parish mission, I say, take out your Bibles, open up the, you know, uh, Leviticus chapter seven or something. And everybody's like, Bible? Oh yeah, am I supposed to have a Bible? I mean, you know, it's I mean, you know, and, and and I thought, you know, that's that's pretty tragic because mm-hmm. um, when God first engages us, He engages us in His Word, and then that, of course, in the Scriptures, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But He was first revealed to us in the Word, mm-hmm. and so in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, we're fed and nurtured twice by God. We're fed and nurtured through the Scriptures, uh, because Jesus comes to us in His Word. 
And uh, what we want to do in that word is open ourselves to receive everything that God wants to give us in that word, because that word is preparing our hearts, our minds and our souls to then receive them again, body, blood, soul, divinity in the Eucharist. Right. So um, so what I want to do is try to help people have a more deeper and serious engagement with God's word uh, so so that when they go to mass, they're listening to those scriptures and they're saying to, to how is God speaking to me? Right now, in and through the word that I'm hearing at Mass, how is, how is God working in my life, in my situation, in my circumstances right now? Because I'm hearing God's word and he's engaging me in that word. That's the kind of experience I want more Catholics to have in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And so uh, that was kind of uh, my goal and with this book. But what we, what we do here is just read the Bible like never before. And so it's not just pick up the Bible and just start reading it. Because the people say, I read the whole Bible. Wait a minute. Did you understand what you were reading? Mm -hmm. Did you relate your own life to what you were reading? Uh, When you got to Leviticus, did you understand what was going on there? You know, and what does any of that have to do with your everyday lived experience? I mean, so we want to open up the scripture in a way to make it more personal. Mm -hmm. You know, so we we don't spend a lot of time doing exegesis, um, you know, like scriptural analysis of what this means and that means. We we, We do some of that. Because, you know, in order to really, like, for example, if you say, if you read the Bible, I'll say it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, man, I have to be afraid of God in order to be wise? Mm-hmm. Well, no. The, the word is Yahweh in Hebrew, which means uh, honor, reverence, and respect. So, in, so if you read again, the honor, reverence, and respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know. What that means, that you, the fear is going to be, oh, I'm going to be afraid. So we have to do some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but what we do spend uh, most of the time is telling stories about our experience engaging scripture, our experience in learning the scriptures, uh, how to read God's word in a more personal way so you can see your life in those pages of God's word. Um, and, and I've never seen a book like this before. I was very excited when I was reading through the, the different versions of the manuscript of how we were really unfolding and unpacking scripture in the lives of people. The way the way we consider it is kind of like a, a pre-Bible study. You know, you have some great mm-hmm. Bible studies out there. You have the Great Adventure Bible Study, you know, with Jeff Cavins. And mm-hmm. you have uh, um, Little Rock Bible Study, the Navarre Bible Study. There's, there's a bunch of different Bible studies out there. But this is something like, okay, let okay, I, God, I haven't picked up a Bible in 10 years. Like, where do I even start? Start here with Ignite. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is, okay, okay, let's open the let, let's get our hands dirty. Let's get let's let's see ourselves personally. And then you'd have a deeper and richer experience of more advanced kinds of Bible studies. Yeah. You know, but but this is really um opening our hearts to receiving God in a very deep and personal way in and through the word. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I would say for the uh, the readers out there, definitely, you know, it's that primer to getting into deeper, right? So we've got to start uh, in baby steps. And in everything we're talking about, really, today, um, we need to approach it in a way that uh, is, that's practical and feasible for wherever we are in our faith life. And I think uh, this is a good, so the, for the viewers out there, again, that's Ignite with uh, Deacon Harold and Sonia Corbett as the authors. The other one I want to just... Uh, Remind the men again, the men out there, Behold the Man, uh, a great book by uh, Deacon Harold that really helps us to 
really come up with a battle plan and really understand uh, how we were designed and what we were designed for as men. Um, and it's also understanding how women were made, right? I mean, and that complementary aspect that Deacon was talking about. So Deacon, how can the viewers uh, learn more about you, learn more about your ministry, uh, find out more about where you're going to be, uh, what you have to offer, if they ever wanted to bring you to, uh, to their parish, to their organization, to lead a retreat or a mission, or just set the hearts ablaze for God? Yeah, just real simple, just uh, deaconharold.com, right? Yeah. Or if you like, dynamicdeacon.com. That's right. But that dynamic deacon, by the way, the marketing people came up with that. That wasn't my idea. (laughs) But it's going to stay. It's going to stay with you forever. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to stay with you forever. It seems it seems to fit. You know. Yeah. Well, hey, Deacon, I know um, personally you've been a gift to me. I know you're a gift to Holy Mother Church. Um, You know, I want to thank you uh, for your answer. You know, you are you are a deacon in the Catholic Church. So you have a big responsibility. You're part of the church hierarchy. Um, You're doing wonderful work out there. So I know you're. Uh, you're about to get into the Lenten mission grind. Um, so prayers very much for you, for your wife, for your kids, and for the, the souls that you're going to count out there. Keep up the good work out there, my friend. Thank you, John, and you too. Uh, you know, set the world ablaze, man. <laughs> keep, 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 doing, keep doing what you're doing, man, because it's a, a, a very a very much needed in the church to get people really on fire and evangelized and living their faith with conviction and certainty you know, and giving people confidence to go out there and not be afraid to live their faith in, in, in the midst of a culture that acts as if God were dead. So uh, apostles like yours are extremely important for the life of the church today. Amen. Yeah, so we'll keep working. And for the viewers out there, uh, you know, when you see this, come and check out Deacon Harold and I. I've got a Real Men Design for Greatness Men's Spirituality series that will be coming out on DVD soon as well. Um, plenty to find out. To so go Deacon uh, deaconherald.com. You can always find me on johnsablon.com to find out more and subscribe to both of our YouTube channels to uh, catch us uh, on video. Um, but until then, uh, we'll welcome you back to another True Faith Real Talk series. But until that time, get holy or die trying. Thanks, Deacon. We'll talk to you later. All right. God bless, John. Thank God, you. God bless. <laughs>